Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. podcast i am your host manny fresh yes it is me i am solo dolo tonight no co-hosts yes my co-hosts are all been indisposed judd has got some uh school work that he needs to be complete so he didn't have time to come on the show he really wanted to come on the show tonight to host with me uh but couldn't get on the show uh and uh lucas has got a big addition coming to the family his baby is coming tonight sometime hopefully uh, his wife is going in labor, so uh, as you know, duty calls, and Papa Luke has to be there front and center. So give a special shout-out to Luke, man. God bless him on his new addition whenever uh, she comes into this world. But yeah, man, so just me tonight, solo, dolo, um, and I got a lot of things to get off my chest. Uh, just got back from a vacation, a little mini vacation this past weekend. That's why I didn't do the show last week. Uh, figured I'd give you guys a week off of my beautiful voice. And uh, so, you know, I, I went away for the weekend, went to Vegas for the first time. Vegas is cool. It was cool. I kind of I kind of went to Vegas for not really knowing what to expect. I never been there, so I mean, of course you know about Vegas and you know the the hype and stuff surrounding Vegas, but I never been there for myself. I'm not a big gambler, so I kind of didn't know what to really expect from Vegas. But Vegas is cool, man. Vegas is cool. I wouldn't recommend anybody going to Vegas for like more than 4 days. Um because Vegas, I mean, even even as cool as Vegas is, like Vegas is not a place that you really go to for like four, five, six days. Like, you make a whole fucking week trip out of it. Like, Vegas is like a three, a four-day, <laughs> a four-day thing at the most. You know what I'm saying? Because there's only so much you could do. There's only so many casinos you can go to. There's only so many, you know, casinos you can gamble at or whatever. Timeshare tours that, that you could take. Lord knows I took one of those. And never, ever again in my life will I fucking ever do some shit like that. But, <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. I mean, Vegas is cool, though. Vegas is cool. Cool city. It's got a nice little atmosphere. Um, nice party life, of course. 
Everybody knows that. So, yeah, Vegas is cool, man. I, I was impressed. I was impressed. So I'm definitely going to be making my way back to Vegas uh, near future. In the very, very near future. Vegas is cool. But uh, you guys are listening tonight. Not to ju- not to talk to me about my Vegas trip, of course. Even though it was great and it was awesome. And I had a great time. You guys are here to listen to me talk about sports. And where do I begin? I mean, of co- I can begin in so many different areas because I got so much shit to talk about tonight. But I especially want to talk about the New York Giants. And have the New York Giants ever had a worst week of football? I mean, literally, have they ever had this bad of a week? Maybe going back to the dark ages of the late 70s. It's the only time that, you know, I, well, I can't think of it because I wasn't alive back then, but that's the only time that I, that I can research where the Giants have had a worse week than this, than this past week. I mean, the Giants, and I tweeted this last week, and I'm going to say it again on the show, very few times in the life of a Jet fan that the Giants are the more dysfunctional, more backwards-ass-ran franchise than the Jets. I mean, this week, the Giants made the Jets look like the Patriots by comparison. And that's hard to do. I mean, that is literally hard to do. Like, that is some magician shit. That is some, like, straight-up David Blaine, you know, Chris Angel type shit that the Giants pulled off this week. I mean, the Giants, they topped themselves this week. First and foremost, they decide, the middle of last week, to bench Eli Manning. And... My first opinions on the Eli Manning is, look, I, I've never been a huge Eli Manning fan. I, I've You guys have heard me on this show many times criticize Eli Manning. Many times have I've, I've said that Eli Manning is overrated, in my opinion. But, but, the guy did, and, and, I, and I'll say this, I don't even mind the, I don't think the Giants were wrong for benching Eli Manning. Eli Manning's not had a great year. I mean, he's, just, he's been bad this year. Bad. He has been one of the reasons that the Giants are 2-10. Don't, don't let the media, don't let some fans fool you. Eli Manning is the, one of the reasons, one of the main reasons. Now, he's not, the, he's not the only reason, of course. Losing Beckham hurt. The defense has not played up to the same level they played last year, of course. And we all know Ben McAdoo is a fucking disaster as a coach. And Jerry Reese is an idiot. That being said, Eli Manning has to take some responsibility here. He has been terrible this year. And I know he doesn't have an offensive line and his weapons are hurt and all this, yada, yada, yada. He doesn't have a run game, blah, 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 blah. I get all that. But this is the same guy that everybody always tells me he's elite, he's great, he's that, he's this, blah, 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 da, 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 da. He's the great Eli Manning. He's won two Super Bowls, blah, 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 da, da. All I ever hear is Eli Manning is so great. He's so legendary. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. So when I hear that, it, of course, it's only fair that I judge and I compare Eli to some of the great quarterbacks in history that I hold them up to that same standard. And let's be honest, Giant fans are going to sit there and make excuses. The media is going to make excuses because they like Eli, because he's all shucks, happy-go-lucky, you know, gee golly willigers, Eli. No. Eli Manning has been terrible this year. Don't let anybody else tell you any different. He has been awful this year, okay? I get it. He doesn't have an offensive line. I get it. He doesn't have a run game. I get all those things. I really do. But he has been horrible, and he has been one of the reasons that the Giants are 2-10. and fucking ten. So, I don't want to hear it. That being said, this benching was handled horrifically. I mean, first and foremost, first and foremost, oh, and I'm going to get to the venerable John Mara. The venerable John Mara. I'm going to flame him in a second. But first and foremost, if you're going to make this decision, if you're going to decide that you're going to bench your franchise quarterback, if you're going to go and say, hey, it is time to take a look at another quarterback besides Eli Manning, if you're going to do that, if you're going to pull that trigger, Pull the trigger for a young quarterback that may have a future with your franchise. Don't pull the trigger to bring in a journeyman. That's the first thing. 
That's the that's, that's number one. If you're be- it's it's like it's like it's literally like the Patriots benching Tom Brady and playing you know Matt Castle. Like, what is the point of that? Like, if anything, you should have played Jimmy Garoppolo. If you're gonna bench Tom Brady, play Matt. Ca- you know, play Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't play Matt Castle. Don't play Drew Bledsoe. Don't play some journeyman quarterback. Don't play uh, you know Jimmy Clausen. You know, play the guy that you may have a future with. Same thing with the Steelers. Same thing with the with the Chargers. Same thing with, in, in New Orleans. You know what I'm saying? Don't 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 bench Drew Brees. Not play Garrett Grayson and play uh, you know Chase Daniels. Like, what are you accomplishing with that? That's stupid. So first of all, that was the first problem. Number two, you have Ben McAdoo deliver this news. Ben McAdoo, already a guy who has proven himself to be a fucking dumpster fire as a coach. I mean, let's be fair. Let's be honest. He's proven himself to be a fucking dumpster fire as a coach. You have this guy who's on who's on iffy ground at that. At best, he's on iffy ground. Now, obviously, he got fired this weekend. We'll get to that. But at the time, he was not on solid ground. Everybody knew that he was eventually going to get fired. Most people thought at the end of the year, it ended up being this week. But you have him deliver the news? Like, why? How? Why did you think that was going to go over well? Like, like for the Giants to actually sit there and think that this news was going to be received well, or that it was going to go over well, or that people thought that this was going to be like, oh, wow, this was a good idea. Like, first of all, they're going to kill the message, and they're going to kill the messenger. The messenger was wrong. The message was wrong. The message was handled horrifically. The messenger is terrible. I mean, everything about that whole thing was terrible. And then here's the worst thing. Where was John Mayer? John, this is John Mayer's decision. First of all, let, 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 let's let's get this out of the way. Let's get this cleared up. Okay, the idea, and he admitted it today or yesterday in his post in his in his press conference. He admitted it that the idea that I'm supposed to believe that John Mayer had nothing to do with this, that it, this was all a coaching and a GM decision, and that John Mayer was like, okay, sure, no, this was John Mayer's decision. This is a decision that you run up to ownership. Okay. Even even the greatest of franchise, even the most well-oiled run franchise, even the Patriots, I would think Bill Belichick, he may not have to run it by Bob Kraft, but I, I would think he would either sit down with Bob Kraft and say, hey, I'm thinking about benching Tom. Like, I, I would think that has to happen. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I'm, you know, whatever. But I would think that would be the case. That's just me. That's just me. That's what I believe. Common sense would tell you the same, right? You're going to make this kind of a drastic franchise-altering move. Because that's what this was. This was basically signaling the end of the Eli Manning era in New York, where at least the first shot fired towards that direction. So if you're going to do this, you have the owner come out, the, the respected, the well-liked owner come out, deliver this decision. I'm not saying that it would have still not have been flamed the way it was, but you have a better chance of it being received if John Mara delivers the message than you have Ben McAdoo, that robot, that boring, bland, milquetoast coach that he is, delivering that message. I mean, how did you not know that this was going to be a disaster? Again, they're making the Jets look good here. I mean, because this is like Jets-level shit. Like, literally, this is like Jets-level shit. So, of course, it becomes a huge media firestorm. You guys know this. It's on every back page in New York. It's it's national news. ESPN's talking about it. Blah, 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 blah. It turns out to be a disaster. Then this weekend, they lose another fucking game to the Raiders. Um... Gino played well, you know, it, it is, he had a Gino, a typical Gino performance, you know, he played decent enough, but at the end of the day, he's not going to win you games, and that's just Gino Smith's, <laughs> Gino Smith's career in a nutshell, he'll have flashes, he'll have moments, but in the end, he's Gino Smith, and you're not going to get very far with Gino Smith, it is what it is, so they go to 2-10, and 10. 
all reports come out Sunday night that you know Ben McAdoo is going to be fired, and lo and behold, Monday night, Monday Monday afternoon, he's fired along with Jerry. Now here's the thing that I have to get off this myth. This notion that the Giants, the great Newark football Giants, the venerable Giants, you know, Frank Gifford, Y.A. Tittle, legends and legends galore, we do things the right way in New York at the Meadowlands, at the Giants, ah, blah, blah. That whole myth that they've created the last 25, 30 years, that shit goes out the window now. I don't want to hear that shit anymore. And it, it, would, and it would infuriate me. And, and Jet fans alike, that the Giants got held up to this standard. Oh, the Giants do things right. The Giants are a first-class organization. The Maras, oh, they are the personification of class and dignity. And And it would just really infuriate us because I'm like, hold up. This is the same Giants organization that let Lawrence Taylor run completely batshit for 15 fucking years this is that same giants organization right i mean i i i'm i'm pretty sure that this is not the san francisco giants we're talking about where this is the new york football giants that same franchise right this is the same franchise that had jeremy shockey who wasn't a choir boy the same franchise that had plaxico burr shoot himself this is the same franchise that had josh brown josh brown the same franchise that's currently dealing with odell beckham but of course, Giants, oh, the Giants, oh, the, the venerable Giants, oh, they do things the right way. That shit goes out the window now because John Mara, the last two years, has been an utter disaster as an owner. Let's be fair. Let's call it like we see it. You can't argue it. Even Giant fans who love John Mara have to say, have to admit, like, yo, this dude has been a complete and utter disaster the last two years. He didn't do shit about Odell Beckham. He is yet to reign in Odell Beckham. Oh, we're disappointed in Odell. Oh, really? You're so disappointed in Odell, yet he doesn't change, and he still and you still placate to his every move, and you still let him do whatever the fuck he wants to do. They ran Tom Coughlin out of town. Now, granted, it may have been time for Tom Coughlin to go, but that being said, they shouldn't have ran him out the way they did. That was a Mara move. Kept Jerry Reese. How does John Mara? How does John Mara fire Tom Coughlin and not get rid of Jerry Reese? I I don't understand that. I. I it's beyond me how that happens. Then they select Ben McAdoo, a coach who his claim to fame was, oh, well, he was the quarterback coach in Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, wonderful. Yippee-doo. Again, I can have that job. <laughs> I can coach. I can coach Aaron Rodgers. It's not that fucking difficult. It's not, bro- it's not rocket science, okay? Aaron Rodgers is great without Ben McAdoo. He's proven that, I, I would say. So again, that was his claim of fame. Because even as an offensive coordinator, I, I never thought that Ben McAdoo was this great shakes. I just never did. I was like, uh, okay, his offense is, oh, I guess, decent, but I haven't seen it. And he proved to be a disaster as a head coach. Last year's 10-6 and six notwithstanding, he proved to be a disaster as a head coach. He was an absolute disaster. I mean, this is a guy that just just did not have coach head coach DNA. Your classic case of a coordinator. And he'll never be a head coach again. He's, he was a disaster. So that was a John Mara move. John Mara picked Ben McAdoo. And then we get to Josh Brown and that whole fucking disaster. After all the investigations, after all the reports came out that Josh Brown was a fucking vile human being, this is the same John Mara that came out and defended him, defended the investigation that saw no need to release Josh Brown. Yet, of course, until another thing came out. And then, of course, he was forced with no other alternative but to fucking cut Josh Brown. Oh, by the way, he gave him an extension as well. Same John Mara. The, the same guy. The venerable John Mara. Wellington. Oh, Wellington's son. That same guy. Yeah, him. So, 
And then, of course, you get to this year, and John Mara's done, just done a bang-up job from day one, hasn't he? So, again, that myth, it gets thrown out the window now. No more. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear all oh, the venerable giants. They do things the right way. They're class personified. They're this, they're that, they need it. Da, da, da. That's over. That's over. That's over and done with now. That's, that's, that is long gone. That is, that is in the past now. In the past. No more. I don't want to hear it anymore. That's it. It's over. That, that shit is, that ship has sailed. Okay. It just has because it's unwarranted. And I'm not saying John Mayer is a bad owner. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But when we give these guys credit, when they win and their teams win and their organizations win and their organizations are doing good, we give them all the credit in the world, then, you know, it's only fair enough. It's only fair enough that when their organizations become disasters, as the Giants have become the last two years, specifically this year, and, you know, two out of the last three years, then it's only fair that the owner gets ripped and gets criticized. That's how it goes. That's how it should go. You're the owner. The buck stops with you. So, of course, he feeds Reese to the wolves. He feeds McAdoo to the wolves. All, all so that he can placate the fan base, quiet down the media, quiet down the critics. Even though everybody, in, and, and, and I, I am glad about this. This week, the media finally came after John Mara. I have yet to ever see the media come after John Mara the way they did this week. They finally came after him, and they finally started seeing the bullshit. They finally started seeing that this guy has been a fucking disaster for the last two and a half years. He just has. And he ta- and see, he felt, he felt that he, wanted, he agreed to the move. He agreed to bench Eli. He agreed to this fucking stupid, stupid situation. And, I, and again, I don't even disagree with the Giants benching Eli. Because again, I think Eli's been terrible this year. I think he's shot, personally. So I, I, it's not like I can blame the Giants. The Giants are 2-9. and At the time, were 2-9. and nine. They were going anywhere. It, it, it's almost criminal of you to go to this type of season, have a top three pick, and not see what Davis Webb is. At the very least, get a good idea of what Davis Webb is. Again, you're not going to see enough of him in four or five games to make a true you know, decision one way or another. I get that. But at least to play the kid and see, okay, can this kid play? Can this kid at least be somebody we invest? Maybe not go with long term, but at least invest in in the near future. And I get so I, I I understand the Giants wanting to bench Eli. But the way that it was handled, all of that, that falls on Mara. And what he did was he tried to make McAdoo the face of that. He tried to make Reese and McAdoo the guys that were the face of it. It backfired. It blew up in his face. Everybody, I'm talking about ex-players, media members, fans, everybody. The football world in in general, every everybody, everybody. Ripped the Giants a new one, ripped Mara a new one, and he had no other choice but to fucking fire McAdoo and Reese on Monday to save face, to feed, to feed the fucking Lions some, some raw meat. To quiet down everything at the Meadowlands. He had to do it. Because I, I think John Merrill wanted to just wait to the end of the season. I think he did. But the shit had gotten so out of hand. And he got exposed for being a fraud and a phony. That he is. And guess what? He had to fucking feed. He had to feed the appetite of the fucking fans. Who wanted blood at that point? Who wanted blood? Because their, their, their boyfriend Eli had been benched. So they wanted blood. They wanted blood. Simple as that. But again, that 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 mystique, that aura, that that myth that the Giants organization are this venerable franchise. They do the they they do everything right. They do everything first class, the standard. They are the standard bearers of the league. That's over. They're just like any other team now. They're just like any other franchise now. They have their ups, they have their downs, they have their great moments, they have their bad moments. It is what it is. It is what it is. That's over. That's done. Now that myth has been put to rest, and I am so happy about it. I'm so happy about it. I, I am ecstatic about it. 
because it's been long fucking overdue because it's amazing. It's amazing the kind of clout and the, and the free pass that, that Super Bowl rings will buy you. It really is. It's amazing. The, the amount of clout and, and, and shield and protection from criticism that two, Super Bowl, that two Super Bowl rings will buy you. It is amazing. It is amazing. This is a franchise. Let's be fair. And again, I hate to be critical of Eli Manning, but I have to get on the fan base too. Look, this idea that the giant, that Eli Manning deserved better, that Eli Manning is some kind of victim here, that poor Eli, oh my God, Tito, Eli, oh no, he deserved better. That the giant fan base tried to tell you last week and into this weekend, that, that's bullshit too. This is the same Eli Manning that finessed his way out of San Diego to play in fucking New York. Let's 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 be fair. I know it's revisionist history now, and we all like to think of Eli as this like saint. But let's be fair. This is the same dude that came out of Ole Miss, used his daddy's power and last name, and finessed his way out of going to San Diego. Oh, I don't want to go. Me, Eli? No, I'm not going to San Diego. <laughs> no. Oh, a Manning wearing a Chargers uniform? Never, never. So he finessed his way out of the Chargers. And you know what I'm saying? Hey, more power to him. He had the power to do it. He did it. I can't stand when fucking kids do that. Oh, I'm, I'm coming out, but I'm not playing for this franchise. Oh, I'm coming out, but I'm not playing for that franchise. I hate when college kids do that. I hate that. And Eli Manning did that. I, I know Giant fans want to forget that and kind of scrape that under the rug. And, and, and some media members that love Eli, that, you know, that basically masturbate to Eli at night, they want to rub that under the, you know, they want to just sweep that under the rug like, oh, that, didn't, that never happened. That never happened. That, uh, that never happened. What? The Giants had the fourth pick and the Chargers had the number one pick? Oh, no, 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 that never happened. Yeah, it happened. It happened. It happened. But but even beyond that, Eli's 37 years old, has had a bad year. He looks shot. And this is a guy that, let's be fair, guys, and I hate to be super overly critical of Eli Manning because I think he's a good quarterback. But that's all I think he is. He's a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Contrary to what people will have you believe, I don't see it that way. This is a guy who's, who's basically his career is two postseason runs. That's basically what it is. Eli Manning's entire career, his entire claim to fame is two postseason runs. Two lucky postseason runs. 2007, they were 10-6. and six. They made an incredible one back on the backs of that defense. Because it was that defense that won him that Super Bowl. It wasn't Eli. Eli had his moments, and of course, nobody will ever forget the pass to Tyree and escaping the pass rush. I, nobody will ever forget that. That's still probably the greatest play in Super Bowl history, or one of them. So you give him credit for that. But that, but that team was built on their defense, especially their pass rush. They went 12-4 and four the year after. The Plaxico Burris thing hurt them, and then they fell apart, and they lost in the playoffs to the Eagles. The next year, I believe they finished 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7. and seven. Next year after that, they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. And then they've been a disaster ever since. And in 2011, they come back. They have a fucking a, a, a run for the ages. They were 6-7, and seven, going to play my Jets on a Saturday afternoon before Christmas. My Jets do what the Jets do best, lose big games. They lost to the Giants. I, I can still see Victor Cruz um, running 95 fucking yards down the field. The Giants get on this run. They win the division, unlikely. And then they make this glorious run to the Super Bowl. Again. The Gi- I mean, let's be fair. The Giants under Eli Manning have been the Florida Marlins. Uh, is that unfair to say? They've been the Florida Marlins. They've been the 97 and 2003 Florida Marlins. Lucky postseason runs, nothing in between, nothing after or before. That's it. That, that's, that has basically been the Giants' run the last 13, 14 years under Eli. Like, you have to, you have to acknowledge it. I'm not bl- – and you can say I'm a Giants hater, and I am a Giants hater, but th- this is fact. 
This is for public record. You know, this isn't like I'm making this shit up. This is true. This is, these are facts, my G. You know what I'm saying? Their entire run with Eli Manning as their starting quarterback is two lucky postseason runs. And, and you can't take that away from him. Two-time Super Bowl champion. Two-time Super Bowl MVP. He played great in the second Super Bowl. Wasn't so great in the first Super Bowl uh, outside of the play. So you can't take any of this shit ever away from Eli Manning. I'm not even going to argue that. But that this idea that Eli Manning deserved better, that he was robbed, that, that, that poor Eli, that, that shit has to go by the, that shit is for the birds. I'm sorry. First of all, Eli Manning's not the first great quarterback that had to go through this. Joe Montana, anybody. Brett Favre, anyone. And even Giant fans will tell you, Eli Manning is no Joe Montana. He's no Brett Favre. I mean, that's, let's not even debate that. So this, this notion that Eli was, was, was unfair, I, look, I, and I agree. The whole thing was handled ter- terribly, terribly. Even I felt bad for Eli watching him sit there and answer questions in his locker with his lip quivering crying. I felt bad for the fucking guy, and I'm not an Eli Manning fan. Even I felt bad for the dude. So I get it. Oh, and note to JPP, a, a, a news day like that where your starting quarterback, the guy who's been the starting quarterback of your franchise for 13 years, and he's getting interviewed by, I would assume, droves and droves of reporters. You, you may not be wanting to joke around with one of your other teammates in the locker room right next to him. You think that you may want to laugh inside the trainer's room or somewhere else without in in without sight or where you can be heard on camera. That's for you, JPP. Mister. But it is JPP. I mean, this is a guy that decided to blow half of his fucking hand off with a firecracker. Jackass. So it doesn't surprise me. Let's just put it that way. So I feel bad for Eli. I do. I mean, I, I, I felt bad for him. I did. But, I mean, if you would have listened to Giant fans, you would have literally thought that the Pope had been assassinated. Like, you literally would have felt, you literally would have thought the Pope was literally shot dead in the middle of the street. Hope I don't get struck down by God for this shit, by the way, too. Just, just trying to make an analogy. God, don't strike me down. But, um, like, you, that's, but that's the vibe that you got from Giant fans. Like, yo, you thought that, like, the rapture had came, like some shit, some, some catastrophic world event had happened. I get it. Eli Manning got benched. It was fucked up. The way they handled it was terrible. I get it. But, but, but let's not overblow this shit. Please. Let's not. That's, uh, please calm down. Again, Joe Montana went through this. Brett Favre went through this. Johnny Unitas went through this. So Eli's not the first. He probably won't be the last. It just happens. It happens. So uh, I, <laughs> I can't stress this enough. It is amazing. It is amazing to me that I am living in a world in 2017 where the Giants are a more dysfunctional franchise than the Jets. And this was the year that the Jets were supposed to be an utter disaster, unwatchable, 2-14. And, and it's now the Giants that may end up 2-14, and 14, amazingly. And here's the kicker. So, of course, they fire, they fire McAdoo. They fire Reese. They have their little press conferences or whatever. Spags is the fucking, you know, interim coach or whatever. And then they start Eli Manning again. Like... What is the point of that? See, this is this is this should tell you that this franchise has no fucking clue what they're doing. No clue. You finally pull the trigger on benching Eli Manning. Like you would think, and and you you already played one game without him. What is the point of putting him back in there? Now I get it. They want to placate the fans, and they have three home games coming up: two against the Cowboys and and the Redskins, and they don't or against the Eagles, should I say? And they don't want to, you know, they don't want to, they don't want. Their fucking stadium to basically be overran by Cowboys and Eagles fans. I get that. So that plays a little bit of part in this. But I mean, at this point, what what does it fucking matter? What does it matter? You've already pulled the trigger. Go with it. See, this is the problem that I have. If you're going to make this move, own it. Own it. 
and go with it. Don't don't make the move. Tip your toe into the pool. Say it's cold. And then, oh, no, 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 no. Never mind. We changed our thought. No, 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 no. We changed our No, it doesn't work that way. You made the move. Own it. Own it. Own it. Go with it. Starting Eli Manning now is pointless. It's pointless. It's pointless. What is the point? What are you going to, what does that do to you? You're not going to, you're not going to, I mean, they may beat the Cowboys, and that's just more on the Cowboys being a a fucking inconsistent team than it is about the Giants, but let's say that they do beat the Cowboys. That that actually hurts you because you would think you want to get the number two pick and not the fucking third pick or the fourth pick, but be that as it may. Is Eli man? What what difference does it make now? You're gonna most likely go two and fourteen. You're, this season is lost. You're not proving anything. You've already ruffled the feathers with Eli anyway. It's not like oh okay now I feel bad. You took his little precious streak away from him, which nobody cares about. That's like the most. That is like the most meaningless of this whole entire situation was that stupid ass streak. I mean nobody cares about that goddamn streak. Nobody. 14 giant fans sitting in their little fucking basements and Eli Manning and Archie and Peyton are the only ones that care about that fucking stupid ass streak. Okay. The NFL is, a, is, a, is a, I've said it, I've said it millions of times. The NFL, the baseball is the only sport that's built on his records and his statistics. The other sports, not so much, especially not football. So I, I can, I can, I'll, I'll pick 10 fans that, that wouldn't know that Eli Manning had a fucking streak. Going. Nobody knew. Nobody cares. I knew he had a streak going, but the average fan doesn't give a fuck about that shit. Really doesn't. So you already took his, pre- his precious streak away from him. So what is the point of starting him now? It makes no sense. It literally makes no sense. It's like complete and utter disaster from that franchise. <laughs> and they're gonna get fucking smoked these next two games. Eli's gonna start both of them, and then oh, and then you're gonna put in Davis Webb. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It is amazing. Listen, it couldn't happen to a better franchise in my Giants. I, I'll say that it couldn't have happened to a better franchise than the Giants oh man it is it is amazing it is amazing it is wonderful to see it really is it's wonderful to see again 2017 the Giants are more dysfunctional Jets how about that how about that who says there's no such thing as heaven huh who says who says man that is amazing (laughs) dog if you're a Giants fan man put a trash bag over you. you you can't even debate it and I have Giant fans in my family I have Giant fans that are close friends of mine, they can't, they, they don't even want to come out the fucking woods, dog, because you can't argue this shit. You can't, you can't even debate this shit right now. This franchise is a joke right now. It's a joke. And guess who it all starts with? Welly's son. Oh, John Mara, the venerable John Mara. Speaking of disasters, has there been a bigger disaster, an implosion by an NFL franchise or an NFL team for a particular year than the Kansas City Chiefs have had this year? I mean, it is fucking amazing. If you would have told me after week five, that the Kansas City Chiefs would be sitting here six and six, six and six, losers of six of their last seven games, I would have told you you're fucking nuts, bro. I would have told you you're fucking crazy, like no way in hell. Kansas City Chiefs look like the best team in football the first half of the year, or the first quarter of the year. They were five and oh, I think at their best, they were six and two, some shit like that, and then they've lost four straight, losing this past week into my Jets, dog. Dog, I, I I know it's Andy Reid, and I know he's been a very good coach in his career, but if the Chiefs don't make the playoffs this year, that's a fireable offense in my opinion. That's a fireable offense in my opinion. You can't start out 5-0, and basically be, be hailed the best team in football by everybody. By everybody, including me. Alex Smith was supposed to be the MVP. Kareem Hunt was Rookie of the Year. Co-MVP. I mean, the Chiefs had everything going, and they've completely fallen apart. Completely fallen apart. 
And I know the popular thing is to blame Alex Smith. Alex Smith is the punching bag for a lot of fucking teams. I get that. I've always defended Alex Smith. I've always felt like he's been overhated. I like Alex Smith. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's great, obviously. But I think he's a very good quarterback. He could do a lot worse than Alex Smith. But it's not all his fault. And he hasn't played. He has his, he's had his moments where he hasn't played well. But I don't think it's all been his fault. I think it's been that defense. That defense, to me, has been the biggest culprit why this team has completely fallen apart. That defense is just not as good as it's been the last couple years. Marcus Peters hasn't had a good year, notwithstanding his fucking, his, the, 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 the stunt he pulled last Sunday. Notwithstanding that, he hasn't had a good year. The defensive line is not as dominant as it once was. Justin Houston's still good, but even he hasn't had that dominant year that he's typically known for having. I mean, that defense to me has been the biggest reason why the Kansas City Chiefs have been a disaster the last five, six weeks. So I know the popular thing is to blame Alex Smith. Oh, Alex Smith is a problem. Alex Smith is this, blah, 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 blah. Bury Alex Smith. Bench Alex Smith. But I can't, I can't really blame Alex Smith. Kareem Hunt has fallen off the face of the map. I don't know if he's dealing with an injury, but he's he hasn't shown the same dynamics that he showed the first quarter of the season. I mean, he was he was on his way to being better than Eli than than Ezekiel Elliott his rookie year, better putting up better numbers, and he's falling off the map. So, I, I, as much as it's easy to blame Alex Smith, I don't think you can blame Alex Smith. Like, I don't think he's a culprit. He's had his moments. He's had his he's had his share of of of, of clunkers in there. No doubt about it. I mean, he's not completely absolved the blame, but I don't think you can solely blame this on Alex Smith. I think that defense has to take some responsibility. I think Kareem Hunt, that offense, has to take some responsibility. Andy Reid has to take definitely some responsibility. Again, if if Andy Reid was my coach and they've had this disaster and they don't make the playoffs, Andy Reid's got to go. Like, that's a fireable offense in my opinion. You cannot have a collapse like this. So, man, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are not looking good right now. They got the Raiders and the Chargers the next couple weeks, which is basically their season. So it's amazing. It is crazy that right now we're in the situation that we're the Kansas City Chiefs, that their season basically comes down to these next two games against the Raiders and the Chargers. It is amazing. Who would have thought Who would have thought that shit? Like when, when the Chiefs were 5-0 and and demolishing people, beat up on the Patriots in Foxborough, that the Chiefs' season would basically come down to winning against the Raiders and the Chiefs. And if they don't win those games, their season is over. Done finished so these next two games are immensely important for the Chiefs I think they play the Chargers and Raiders back to back I'm not mistaken I know they play the Raiders this weekend and I think they play the Chargers either next weekend or week after some I I think something some some kind of machination like that I know they play the Chargers in some combination but their season basically comes down to division games if I had to kind of handicap that division right now I, I still can't trust the Chargers I still can't trust the Chargers. I know they've played well. They've really, really gotten on a roll here after basically starting a typical Chargers season like. And, you know, but I still I still can't trust the Chargers. I, I just can't. Um, I, I'm going to go with the Raiders winning that division. It's amazing. The Raiders have kind of hung around. They've kind of hung around. They've hung around, hung around. And I think the Raiders are going to get hot. I think they're going to get on a streak. I think if they beat Kansas City in Arrowhead, I'll say this. If Kansas City loses this next game, their season's over, and I think the Raiders will win that. I think if they beat Kansas City and Arrowhead, I think the Raiders are going to win that division. So if you, if I had to handicap it right now, those three teams are all 6-6. Six and six. I think the Raiders are going to be the one that makes it makes playoffs in that, and wins that division. And, and I'm, telling you, I'm telling you right now, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. But if the Kansas City Chiefs don't make the playoffs, Andy Reid has to go. He has to, be the, he has to, he has to answer some questions. Because that would be one of the biggest collapses in NFL history if that happens. That is bad. Bad.
if that happens. So we'll see. It's interesting, man. I, I, I'm shocked because I, I, if you would have told me even three weeks ago that the Chiefs would be in this position, I would be like, oh, you're, you're crazy. You're bugging right now. But the Chiefs are in this position. Amazingly enough, they're in this position. They still got a chance. They still got a way of salvaging their season. But I, it's looking pretty bleak. I'll be honest. It's looking really, 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 really bleak. But we'll see. We'll see. Let's get into the college football playoffs, man. Uh, that was the other kind of big news item of the weekend into the week. The college football playoffs have finally been decided. Uh, Clemson, number one. Oklahoma, number two. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, Georgia, number three. And Oklahoma, and uh, Alabama, four. The big shocker, obviously. Ohio State wins against, against Wisconsin. Wins the Big 12 championship. Um, but gets passed over for Alabama by Alabama. And I really can't complain too much about it because I, I guess I'm of two minds in this. First of all, I love seeing Ohio State get screwed because you can make the case that Ohio State got two breaks. Since the college football playoffs have been instituted, Ohio State has been the team that's benefited the most out of it. The first year of the college football playoffs in 2013, or in 2014, should I say, Ohio State got a fucking super break when they were selected over Baylor and TCU when they basically both had the same resume. They were both 11-1. and one. The big difference was that you know, you know, Ohio State played Wisconsin, beat them fifty-nine to nothing. They had an actual championship game to play, and Baylor and TCU didn't. Now you can say, well, that's Baylor and TCU's fault for not having a championship game in their conference. The Big Twelve at the time only had eleven teams; they didn't have enough teams to have a, a, a championship game. I still felt that they got screwed. I still felt Ohio State should. I think I can't even remember what happened that year. I think that was the year that Ohio State lost early to Virginia Tech at home or some shit like. That. It was a bad loss. In retrospect, it was a bad loss because I think Virginia Tech didn't finish strong that year. And anyway, Ohio State got a break there. Now, nobody could say anything, and everybody had to shut the hell up because Ohio State went on to win the national championship that year. They beat Oregon in the national championship game. So nobody could say anything. You couldn't say anything. Like, oh, well, shit. Damn, I guess they were right. Then last year was the egregious one. Last year was the most egregious one because last year was just like, come on. Like, come on. How do you take Ohio State over Penn State? Penn State got robbed last year. Penn State should have played in the Final Four. They should have been the fourth team at they won the Big 12. They beat Ohio State. Okay, I get it. They lost you know, 54 to whatever against Michigan State and Ann Arbor. I get that. But but Michigan but Michigan was a good team. So this idea that they, you know, they 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 got exposed or they lost to a bad it wasn't a bad loss. I mean, it was a bad loss as far as score, but it wasn't a bad loss as far as the opponent. Michigan was a good team last year. It was a top 10 team, top 10, top 15 team. Penn State got screwed last year and Ohio State benefited and we saw what happened to Ohio State. Ohio State got obliterated by Clemson. They didn't deserve to be there. They, they were completely overmatched. I still believe that Penn State would have gave Clemson a way better game. I don't know if they beat them, but they would have gave them a better, uh, it would have been a better competition. I don't think it would have been 34 to nothing or whatever it was, 30 to nothing, whatever the final score was. So trust me, I'm not crying for Ohio State. And Alabama deserved to go. If it came down to Ohio State and Alabama, Alabama deserved to go. There's no argument in that. Now, what I don't want to hear is that Alabama had a better schedule than Ohio State. That I don't want to hear. That I don't. That I'm, I'm not agreeing with. Who who did Alabama play this year? Who did Alabama play this year? I'll wait. Who did Alabama play this year? They played nobody. Florida State was trash. Okay, you want to sit there and say that? Oh, at the beginning of the year, Florida State was supposed to be good. I, I don't. I don't care about what they were supposed to be on paper. What they were supposed to be. Yes, I know they lost Francois, but Francois is not Michael Vick. My, Francois is not Peyton Manning. You don't lose Francois and become a terrible team like that. Florida State ended up being. They had that team had issues. Their offensive line was 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 not great. Their defense wasn't as good as it's been the last couple years. Obviously, losing Francois hurt, but Florida State was not that good. Let's 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 just be legit. Florida State wasn't that good, so I don't give them credit for that. 
And of course, they did their typical thing. You know, the Alabama does the typical Alabama thing. You know, they 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 say they play tough competition, but they don't. They schedule these they schedule these games. They schedule these games against teams, other good teams, below the Mason Dixon line. They have that that one big game at the beginning of the year. You know, the college kickoff. You know, the college classic or the college kickoff, whatever. Where they'll play in Dallas or they'll play like next year. They'll play in Orlando, and they'll call it and they'll they'll masquerade as it's this big test for Alabama early on and gives Nick Saban eight months to prepare for it like no I don't count that bullshit Alabama's played nobody nobody Florida State was trash LSU was not that good the two really good teams or I'm not gonna say really good one of them was really good the other is a good team the two good teams that Alabama played all year on their schedule I can make the case that they should have lost to both they lost one they should have lost to the other I watched the entire Mississippi State game. They should have lost to Mississippi. Mississippi State should have beat Alabama that game. There's no argument. Mississippi State should have won. If Mississippi State didn't choke down the stretch and just some terrible play calls by Dan Mullins, Mississippi State would have won that game. They were the better team. They were the better team that day. They should have beat Alabama. They went toe-to-toe with Alabama. And then, of course, we know what happened in Auburn. So I can make the case that the two best teams that Alabama played all year, they should have lost to them. Now, I'm not I'm 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 not criticizing the move because again, if, if it came down if it comes down to Ohio State and Michigan or Ohio State and Michigan, Michigan was nowhere near that shit. Uh, if it comes down to Ohio State and, and Alabama, then it's Alabama, of course. Alabama is clearly the better team and has a slightly better resume as far as they didn't lose to Iowa. That's the only difference. That's the reason Ohio State's not playing in this tournament. Because there's just no, even the committee who you know wanted to put Ohio State in. I mean, they were, they wanted to put Ohio State in the worst freaking way possible. Even they can't forgive that loss to Iowa. And I saw that game too. And Iowa, Iowa ran through Ohio State. Ran fucking through them. Even the committee can't ignore that loss. So that's the reason Alabama got to go. But it, it just speaks to an overall, and, and people, some people, for the most part, there hasn't been as much outrage, but people are just pissed off and fed up with the college football league because they see it, it is what it is. This, this, this committee has no fucking consistency. One year, they say they value conference championships. Some years, they say they don't. Some year, they, 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 they say stretch of schedule. They look at the overall body of work, blah, 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 dee, dee, da, da, Like, it, 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 that's the, oh, even though they, you can make the case they got it right this year. It's still infuriating because there's no consistency. There's no consistency. And next year will be the same thing too. Next year will be the same thing too. Next year they'll take a team that doesn't deserve it because they they valued conference championships next year over strength of schedule, over record, over dominance, whatever. They'll they'll take that team over the other team. I mean, it's just bound to fucking happen. It's bound to happen. It's bound to happen. Because I can also say Wisconsin only lost one game. Now I know Wisconsin's record is is a little iffy because they they didn't play any. I mean, you talk about not playing anybody. Wisconsin didn't play anybody, anybody. But you know, why is this a discussion between Alabama and Ohio State? I mean, I think you can make the case that this should have been a discussion between Alabama and Wisconsin. Now, obviously, Alabama still gets to go. Obviously, Alabama still has the best resume out of the two two teams. But still, still, it's not a perfect system. It's not. It's better than the BCS, obviously, but it's not a perfect system. But this year, I, of, of the last three years, this year is the least year that I can complain. Because I, I just can't complain. I think it came down to Ohio State and Alabama. 
and Alabama clearly had the better resume. Now, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that Alabama played a great schedule because they don't. And next year's schedule, I mean, if you guys haven't seen it, next year's schedule is fucking a disaster too. I mean, they play Mercer. They, I mean, not Mercer. They play Louisville and Orlando. They played a Citadel before they played Iron Bowl. I mean, it's oh, come on, come on. They play nobody. They play nobody, man. It's fucking trash. They play nobody. This this myth that that Alabama plays this tough schedule every year is a bunch of bullshit. It is. It is. And don't give me, oh, well, they play the Iron Bowl. Because every other year when they play the Iron Bowl in Alabama, they smash Auburn. They smash Auburn. And next year they'll probably smash Auburn. And they'll probably smash Mississippi State, who they also play at home. So while every other year they have a tough schedule, every other year they have an easy schedule. So it all balances out in a way. It really does. But I can't complain. I think the committee, for the most part, for the most part, got it right. Um, as far as the games, I mean, we'll have more time to break them down and get into the matchups and whatever. Um, I, I think, um, you know, I think this year's matchups are going to be interesting. Um, I think, number one, Clemson-Alabama is obviously the matchup that everybody wants to see. It's the third time in a row that they're going to play this year, a round earlier. Um, we'll have time to kind of break it down. I think if you had to put a gun to my head right now and ask me to choose who I'm taking, I'm taking clemson I just think this Alabama team is just not as good as the last few years of Alabama. I just, I think they're missing something. Um, Jalen Hurst, to me, has regressed as a quarterback. He has not gotten better. I still don't trust him in a big spot to make enough plays to win you a football game. Um, I'm not a Jalen Hurst fan. Um, Kelly Bryant, Kelly Bryant's dynamic. He still has some work to do as well, but I think Kelly Bryant will make enough plays compared to Hurst. I think Clemson's defense is better than Alabama's defense at this point right now. I think Alabama's defense is just not as good as it used to be. Their secondary, Mika Fitzpatrick is great, but their secondary is a little iffy. Their linebacking core is a little iffy. I know they got injuries and they got a chance to get healthy in the next, you know, five weeks or so. But uh, um, I'm still going to go with Clemson right now. We'll get into the games and we'll break them down as we get closer. But if, you had, if I had to pick right now who I'm choosing, I'm going to choose Clemson. Um, and then the next game, Georgia and Oklahoma, I'm going to go with Oklahoma, man. I think this is Oklahoma's year. I just have a funny feeling that this is Oklahoma's year. Um, it's now or never for Oklahoma. I, I, and I know it's a dangerous game to play with Oklahoma because every year you think Oklahoma's finally going to do it. Oklahoma, this is the year Oklahoma's going to finally win a national championship again. It's been a long time since 2000. You know, this is the year that Oklahoma's finally going to do it. They always let you down. They always blow a big game. The Bob Stoops special. But I don't know. I just there's a I think this Oklahoma's got a good defense. They got a good offensive line. Obviously, we all know about their offense. And then Baker Mayfield. And I, and I think Georgia, while Georgia's defense is great and they'll give Oklahoma some problems, I don't know if Georgia can score. That's the difference. I don't know if Oklahoma can. I don't think I don't think Georgia can score Oklahoma. So and I think the quarterback matchup. I think these these games are going to come down to quarterbacks. You know, it's amazing. These big bowl games, these big championship games, they come down usually to the quarterback and who plays better. And I think Baker Mayfield or Jake Fromm, I think you got to take Baker Mayfield. I mean, I think you just have to. You have to. So it looks like we're going to have a Clemson-Oklahoma national championship. But I could be wrong. It could be Georgia-Alabama. It could be Clemson-Georgia. It could be Oklahoma-Alabama. We'll get into them more as we go. When we get closer to the games, obviously, we'll, we'll break it down. We'll have a preview show about it and all that good stuff. So um, I think it's a little too early to break them down. But I, I, we'll, we'll get into them eventually. But right now, I'm going to say Clemson. That's my pick. Right now. Right now. Now, will that be my pick December 27th? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> but we'll see. Um, other college football stuff. Willie Taggart's the new coach of FSU. Uh, obviously, uh, 
Jimbo Fisher accepting the offer in Texas A&M. What the hell is Texas A&M? I'm not the biggest Jimbo Fisher fan. I think he's a little overrated. You know, people basically were, you know, people basically were putting Jimbo Fisher in the Hall of Fame a couple years ago. And I like Jimbo Fisher. He's a decent head coach, but I, I think he's a little overrated. Ten years? Ten years? All that money for Jimbo Fisher? I'll tell you what, he better win after next year. He better win. He better win. That's a lot of money for a guy who I don't think is that great of a head coach. I think he's he's a good coach. I don't think he's great. So obviously FSU replaced him with Willie Taggart, who's now coaching his third team in a calendar year. It's amazing. Willie Taggart. And I don't and I don't even get the fascination with Willie Taggart. Like Willie Taggart's alright, but I don't think he's this big time head coach. But I mean, it couldn't happen to a better institution than FSU. In my opinion. So FSU's got their man, Willie Taggart. UCLA obviously got Chip Kelly. We didn't get a chance to talk about the coaching changes too much, so I'll just kind of breeze through them. But the coaching change that really matters, forget all that other shit. Nobody cares about UCLA right now. Nobody cares about Florida hiring Dan Mullins. Um, The coaching hire that matters the most is that finally, finally, Nebraska got it right. Finally, Scott Frost is coming home. I'm so ecstatic. I've been, I've literally been walking on water for the last, like, 48 hours. I'm just ecstatic, man. I, I'm I'm so excited. This is the most excited I've been for a Nebraska season, upcoming season, in like five years. Like, I am ecstatic right now. Scott Frost is the man for the job. I'm not saying he's going to win us a national championship next year. Got to have patience. But he is the best man for the job. He played for, he played for Nebraska. He was the last quarterback to win us a national championship. He's paid his dues. He turned UCF around completely. I mean, UCF was one in one in eleven a couple years ago, or one in eight, or whatever, whatever the hell the record was. They were terrible a couple years ago, and now they're twelve and zero. So that's all you need to know about Scott Frost. In just two short years, he turned UCF around. Scott Frost is a legit head coach. Um, he's got talent. Hopefully, Nebraska's patient, gives him time to get his recruits in, get his system in place. But I'm just, I'm ecstatic, man. I think we're going to do big things with Scott Frost. I really believe it. I really believe we're going to do big things with Scott Frost. So we'll see. We'll see. It's 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 going to be interesting. Oh, and guess who still doesn't have a head coach? Ah, oh, guess who still doesn't have a head coach? But we'll get to them in Fouls of the Week. Don't miss it. Tennessee. Tennessee. No, it's not Arrested Development. It's me saying Tennessee, Tennessee. Those fucking bums. But I'll get to them in a few segments. But, I mean, another story that really pissed me off this week about college football. So, the Heisman finalists were announced. And only three finalists this year. uh, Baker Mayfield, obviously. Bryce Love, obviously. And Lamar Jackson. And if you may notice, there's one guy who's glaringly missing. No Saquon Barkley. How the hell do you have a Heisman Trophy finalist and exclude Saquon Barkley. Like, how does that happen? Again, I've been the guy that's been all gun-ho on Saquon Barkley. I still think Saquon Barkley is a tremendous running back. I think he's going to be amazing in the NFL next year. Um, one of the best running backs I've ever seen in college football. Maybe not the best. So I'll, I'll recant that a little bit. But he's definitely one of the best running backs I've ever seen in college. Um, and I know that his season kind of slowed down there the last two or three games. But really before that Ohio State game, Saquon Barkley was the Heisman Trophy winner. Like, he was going to win the Heisman Trophy. And I don't even think he did anything in that in that game. Like, I, it's amazing. I think, like, Saquon's being punished because Penn State lost to Ohio State. Like, because if you forget, he ran the kickoff return for a touchdown. He didn't have a bad game in that game. I know he didn't do anything in the fourth quarter, but he didn't really have a terrible game. I know he, he didn't. His numbers kind of fell off a little bit, but he still has amazing numbers. Like, I, I don't understand how Saquon Barkley isn't invited to New York. I, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. 
I know Lamar Jackson had a better statistical year than his Heisman Trophy, and he is the and he is the 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 reigning Heisman Trophy winner. But I don't understand. I mean, you're, if you're gonna if you're only gonna take three, to me, you gotta take Saquon Barkley over Lamar Jackson. That's just me, but I I, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. And again, I know Lamar Jackson statistically has had a better year, but Louisville was was assish. If anything, Louisville disappointed this year. They underachieved this year. So I I, I don't understand how you take Lamar Jackson. Um, and if you and if you and if you didn't want to take Lamar Jackson, and you didn't want to take Saquon Barkley. Where's Carryon Johnson? Carryon Johnson had a monster year in the SEC. In the SEC, so I don't understand how he didn't get some Heisman. Look, the Heisman Trophy selection is is what it, we have issues with it every year. Some years more than others. I had a big issue with it this year. Like, how is Saquon Barkley not invited to New York? I'm not saying he's supposed. To, I don't. I'm not saying he should win it. Because I think Baker Mayfield, for the totality of his season, has had a probably a better season than Saquon Barkley. But Saquon should at least be in New York. I'll say that he should at least be in New York. The fact that he's not there is, yeah, I don't, I don't fuck, I don't fuck. It's amazing. Uh, let's move on to another New York uh, New York team that's uh, doing a bang up job these days in the coaching department. The New York Yankees introduced their thirty third manager in their history. No, no, it's not. No. No, it's not Joe Girardi. He's not managing the team anymore. No, 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 no. Because you know Joe Girardi. <laughs> we're the Yankees. We're not. Go- we're better than Joe Girardi. No, they hired Aaron Boone to be their next manager. <laughs> yes, Aaron Boone. Sunday Night Baseball's own Aaron Boone to be the new manager of the New York Yankees. And uh, look, we're not going to get into the whole Joe Girardi thing. Uh, that to me was a complete disaster. I don't understand what the hell was going on. Uh, Brian Cashman, the most overrated GM in the world. I mean, is there a guy that gets more credit for doing absolutely nothing? Okay, I'll give him credit for. And I, no, as a matter of fact, no, forget that. I'm not even going to give him credit for this this accelerated rebuild that he's been captaining. He's been championing the last couple of years because anybody could have traded fucking uh, Chapman for Gliber Torres. Anybody could have traded you know Andrew Miller for the prospects that he got. So this idea that Andrew Cat, you know that that Andrew that John. Uh, Brian Cashman, I forgot his fucking first name there for a second, that Brian Cashman did some great job is bullshit, but whatever. The most overrated general manager in the history of sports is Brian Cashman. But somehow he's finagled and finessed his way to getting all this power with the Yankees organization. And apparently him and Joe Girardi fell out. So Joe Girardi, after basically leading his team out of nowhere, out of nowhere, this was a team that was expected to go at best 84 and 78, got him to 91 wins. To a wild card, they come back and stun the Indians. You know, take the Astros to the absolute limit, and Joe Girardi gets fired because he doesn't communicate well with the players. A guy who won ninety-one games, who has a six hundred winning percentage, and I, and I, and look, I'm I'm not the biggest Joe Girardi fan. I I get why some fans hate Joe Girardi. Look, Joe Girardi can manage my team any day. I don't give a fuck if he's robotic or stone-faced or he's, you know, his binders. I you know, I, and I get all that stuff sometimes. May rub people the wrong way. And if if I was watching him on a day-to-day basis, it would probably drive me up a fucking wall too. But Joe Girardi is a great manager. There's no arguing that. Joe Girardi is a hell of a man, and he can manage my Mets any day. So they fired Joe Girardi to to get another guy in, and the guy you bring in is Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone. See, this is the problem with the Yankees. The Yankees now have boxed themselves, and specifically Brian Cashman, have boxed themselves into a corner. Because now, number one, anything this guy does is going to be compared to Joe Girardi. Because you fire, everybody would agree that they fired Joe Girardi unceremoniously and prematurely. So now that everything that this guy does or doesn't do is going to be compared to Joe Girardi. If Aaron Boone comes in next year and the Yankees struggle, Joe Girardi. If the Yankees come next year with all the expectations that they're going to have, they're going to be expected to win the division and be a powerhouse and be a World Series contender, and this team loses in the division series, 
There's not going to be any excuses. That's a lot of pressure for a guy who's never managed, never coached, and it's Aaron Boone. And I like Aaron Boone. I think he was he was pretty good on Sunday Night Baseball. I think he's a smart guy. I think he has the ability to be a decent manager, but I don't know. Like, that's a lot of pressure for a guy who is first time in managing the Yankees. The Yankees' job is already enough pressure, but I just don't understand why you would put your manager in that situation. Because let's say that this team underachieves next year. They finish 88 and 76, you know, 88 and 74, just missed the playoffs. Whose fault is that? That's Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone. You can't blame. You can't blame injuries. Nobody's going to want to listen to, oh, well, you know, Joe Girardi. And no, 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 you can't do that anymore. That that crutch is over now. Now this falls on Brian Cashman. Brian Cashman's putting his fucking neck on the line now because Brian Cashman now is basically running the franchise. The war against the Stone Ages is completely in full effect now, as in all these teams now are fully embracing analytics. And I don't have a problem with analytics. I think the over-reliance on analytics is the problem with baseball. And I, but I have a problem with these GMs that basically want to play pseudo-managers for 162 games. I have a problem with that. That's my biggest issue with the trend in baseball. These GMs basically want to be the managers. They basically are the managers. These GMs want to manage for... This is the funny part with these GMs. These GMs want to manage 162 games, but don't want to manage the 11 postseason games that it takes to win a World Series. That's the that's the see the, these GMs they want to get all the credit for putting a you know putting an analytical staff and putting a game plan together that they man the manager can use to to effectively you know push the GM's vision and how he sees the team should be and could be right they they want that and they want all the credit for that and then when it comes to the postseason where you can't manage analytics doesn't work in the postseason it's been proven now analytics does not work in the postseason the postseason is where you have to have a baseball guy we have to have a manager we have to guy a guy that can that knows his way around the field that knows his way around the game that knows how to watch the game and analyze it and see okay this pitcher's running out of gas i gotta bring in this guy i gotta play this matchup in this situation or just i gotta go with my gut here in this place or when to fucking pinch run or when to pinch hit without the computer telling you this you know a little bit of human element to it. God forbid it's 2017. The human element is still something that I think managers should still use, right? That's the problem. And so what happens is these teams get into the postseason and a la Matt Williams, the manager screws up. Hey, don't blame me. Don't blame me, the almighty powerful GM. Blame this guy. He's the idiot that screwed up. No, 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 no. You're the manager. You're the guy. You're the guy that's running the show. These guys are pseudo managers, basically. They want the they want to be the manager. They don't want the pay. They don't want to, they don't want to wear the uniform. They don't want to be out doing the grind of 162 games and basically playing babysitter. They don't want that. They want to they want to run the team. They want to tell the manager the, the actual manager who to play every day. They want to build the lineups. They want to build the matchups. They want to type in in their little computers and you know the computers will tell them that you know you know Rob Ref Snyder is a better matchup against this right hander over you know Didi Gregorius in this situation. I mean whatever. Pick a scenario. You know what I'm saying? They want they want that, but they don't want to manage the team. They don't, they don't want that shit. No, 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 no. You play the babysitter. We'll tell you what to do. We'll take the credit for it, and you just make us all look good. But then in the postseason, when you actually need a real manager, when you actually need a guy that knows what the fuck he's doing, these GMs want to throw their hands up and say, oh, not me. No, that's not me. I wipe my hands with that. That's this guy, a la Matt Williams, anyone. So... That's the interesting part, but look, I think the Yankees are in a in an interesting situation right now because they're putting themselves with a lot of that's a lot of pressure to put on a a guy 
that has not managed before. And and, and I've heard the comparisons in 96 when they got rid of Buckshow Walter to bring in Joe Torrey. That was different. First of all, that team, while it had gotten to the ALDS and gotten to a game five, you can make the case they should have won that series. That team was still a team that hadn't, you know, it hadn't won in 17 years up to that point. That, t- that team was still like an in-between team that nobody knew that those guys were all going to come up and be the dominant players that they all were. Andy Pettit, Derek Jeter, the core four, as they like to call themselves. So it's a little bit of a different situation. The ALDS is not the NLCS. It's a little bit of a different situation. Plus, Joe Torre, for all his faults or clueless Joe or whatever, all the perceptions that they were of Joe Torre at the time, Joe Torre still had a, had management experience. He was a borderline Hall of Fame player. He had management experience. That's different than bringing in a guy who's never, I repeat, never coached, managed. I mean, he hasn't even coached a little league team. And this is the guy that you're bringing in to manage the New York Yankees, a team that's expected to win a division? To be a World Series contender? I say this, he better win. He better win. Because if they don't, <laughs> those idiots in the Bronx are going to be starting to be, It's amazing. It's going to be amazing now. If Aaron Boone fucking sucks as a fucking manager, you'll be hearing Yankee fans who, who did nothing but shit on Joe Girardi for year in and year in. They'll be begging Joe Girardi to come back. They'll be begging him. They'll be they'll be crying. Yeah, Joe should have never been fired. I always loved Joe. Da, 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 They'll be wanting to bring Joe Girardi back so fucking quick. You, it'd be fucking funny. I, I kind of secretly want to see it happen. But yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. That's 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 an interesting one, man. They're putting a lot of pressure on this dude to to come in right away. I mean, there's no safety net for him. No, no fan, no media member in New York is going to want to hear. Oh, well, he's getting his feet. If they start out slow, or they underachieve next year, or even if they make the playoffs and they don't see the the, the thing now is, it's World Series of bust now for the Yankees. That's the that's the standard now. It's World Series or bust now. You don't have the type of performance. You don't have the type of season that they had this year. And then tell me next year, oh, well, it's okay. We only won 87 games. We didn't make the playoffs. Or we made the playoffs, but we lost in a wild card game. No, no, no. That's not going to be good enough. <laughs> no, that's not going to be good enough. World Series or bust for a guy who's never managed. That's, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot if you ask me. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. Fouls of the week, and my foul for this week is a story that I've been trying to, to talk about for, oh, since last week. God, I've been itching to fucking get back and talk to you guys about this. My foul, I'm about to flame. My foul of the week is to the entire University of Tennessee. Everyone involved or associated with that university, from students, staff, alumni, boosters, parents, 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 Anybody associated at school and their fan base is getting a foul of the week for me. What they did to Greg Schiano is sick. What they did to Greg Schiano was complete bullshit. It was one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen done in any kind of sport or professional sports. And I know it's college football, but we've talked about this many times. They're fucking pro sports. Don't give me that amateurism shit. What they did to Greg Schiano, a guy who I think is a very good college coach. I know he failed in Tampa. I know he was a failed NFL coach. I get that. But there's no one, no one that can sit here and argue with me. I'm not going to allow it to tell me that Greg Schiano is a very good college coach. This is a guy that, forget resurrected, he put Rutgers on the map. What was Rutgers before Greg Schiano got? Rutgers, who was a doormat, was a dumpster fucking fire, was shit for almost a century. A century, not a couple years, not 20 years. No, 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 no. A century. And Greg Schiano came and put that program on the map. 
Is his record appealing? I think he's like 27 and 28 as a college coach. Something like that. But you have to look at context. See, that's the problem with us right now. In the, we don't have context things. We've lost the ability to just def, to look at things within a certain level of context. Yes, his record is sub 500 or just barely at 500. But you also have to look at the fact that the guy coached at Rutgers. He didn't coach at Michigan. He didn't coach at, you know, Nebraska. Rutgers. He put that program on the map. He is the reason why that program has a stadium. You can make the case he's the reason that that program felt big enough. It's still a stupid-ass move in retrospect. And I still, to this day, I still think it's a stupid-ass move. That they're even in the Big Ten. It was because of Greg Schiano. And for Tennessee and that AD, Curry, to hire Greg Schiano and not have the balls to stand up to their fucking alumni and their fans, those moronic fucking 18 and 19 year olds who wouldn't fucking know Greg Schiano if he were in the same closet with, if he was selling them gas or selling them insurance or selling them their financial aid at the store, they wouldn't know who fucking Greg Schiano was. For that, for that AD and for that university to not stand up it's one thing to hire a guy. See, I'm all good with hiring a guy and your fan base not being not not being in love. My university, the university that I root for dearly in love, Nebraska, hired a guy that I was completely against. I was completely against the Mike Riley hire. I didn't th- I, nothing against Mike Riley personally. I actually thought he was a decent head coach at Oregon State, but he wasn't the coach for my team. He wasn't the coach that I wanted for Nebraska. He wasn't the coach that I felt was going to turn Nebraska into what Nebraska is and should be. But it's one thing to not be with the coaching hire, to not like it, to rip apart a coach and his coaching, his decision making, his play, whatever. Keep it on the field. But when you basically besmirch a man's character, personal character, that, that, that's, that's a fucking low. That's a low blow. It's one thing to say, you know what, I don't think Greg Shiano's a good coach. I don't think Greg Schiano's a great coach. I don't think Greg Schiano can coach. I think he's bad. He failed in the NFL. I think we should, we'd rather have this. We'd rather have this guy. We'd rather have got that. We'd rather have this. Blah, 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 blah. It's one thing to do all that. But to sit there and basically destroy the man's reputation and to even to even associate him with that with that Jerry with that monster, Jerry Sandusky, is disgusting. Yes, Greg Schiano coached for five years at Penn State. Did he know something was going with Sandusky and those kids? I don't know. Could he have known? Maybe. Could he have not known? I don't know. All I can deal with is facts. What can be proven? What's on record? And I don't want to hear about some testimony McQuery gave. Secondhand, secondhand testimony, by the way. Secondhand. That's, that Tom Bradley told McQuery that, that Greg Schiano knew. Who, by the way, Bradley and Schiano have both denied. Greg Schiano has never been never had to formally testify, he's never been a suspect, he's never faced any kind of legal action in any respect for that whole Penn State drama, never once, and to sit there and to associate him, and this goes to tennis, all those Tennessee fans, that idiot uh, Clay Travis, and every one of those other fucking dumbass Tennessee fans, this goes for you, to sit there and associate the guy with that monster Jerry Sandusky is disgusting, it's low, it's classless, it's, it's fucking JV is what it is. It's JV. All because you didn't like the hire, all because you have this fucking delusion of grandeur that, that, that John Gruden is going to come back to coaching. Newsflash, assholes. John Gruden is not going to Knoxville, Tennessee. He barely wants to go back to Tampa. He's going to go to Knoxville, Tennessee to coach Tennessee. It ain't happening. Get it through your fucking skulls. 
John Gruden is not coming to coach at Tennessee. It's not happening. It's not happening. All because you feel like Greg Schiano wasn't up to par with Tennessee's standards? Who the fuck is Tennessee? Look, I'm not going to sit here and bash Tennessee. Tennessee is one of the franchises in all of college sports with the rich tradition. You know, they've been around for 200 years. They've won six national championships, all of which were before my parents' time. The last national title coming in 1998 with T. Martin. We get that. But it's a long time since 1998. See, the problem with Tennessee is that Tennessee thinks they're bigger than what they are. Tennessee is at best, and I'm being fair, the sixth best job in the SEC. I'm being fair. And if we want to, and if we want to, and if we want to kind of, you know, put it by region, they're probably the eighth best job in the region, in the South, completely. Because if you take it out of the SEC, Florida State's a bigger job. Clemson's definitely a bigger job. Those two come to mind easily, easily. Miami's a better job. So this idea, this 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 fallacy that Tennessee feels like they're going to get a bigger coach than Greg Schiano is lunacy to me. And, and again, I'm not against saying I don't like Greg Schiano as a coach. I don't think he deserves a job. I think he's this, he's that, blah, blah, blah. I don't like his coaching. I don't like his player, blah, 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 blah. I don't like the call he made in this game, blah, blah. That's all fine and dandy. But when you sit there and ruin a guy's reputation for nothing, for nothing, because you don't want him to coach your team, to ruin his reputation, to defame his character, that's bullshit. And I got to sit here and listen to, to all these alums Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the same bitch who lies to the United States citizen every single day defending that serial rapist and pervert in chief. She's going to put her fucking nose and two cents into it and says that, you know, how dare Tennessee basically hired Greg Schiano. Really, bitch? Really? Your boss likes to grab women by the pussy because he's famous. And when you're famous, you can get away with it. She don't say shit about that. But the one that really killed me, the, the, and, and there's several guys that came out, Clay Travis, several alums came out uh, bashing them. But the guy that really drove me, Albert Hainsworth. Albert Hainsworth. I got to sit here and listen to Albert Hainsworth now. Albert Hainsworth! Basically rip Greg Schiano, say it's a terrible hire. How dare Tennessee? You know, we need to revolt against Tennessee. We need to make this shit happen. Ba ba ba. This is terrible. We can't accept this. Albert Hainsworth. The same Albert Ainsworth who ate his ass out of the fucking league, who stole money from the Redskins, stole money, stole money. I don't blame him. I blame Dan Snyder's dumbass. But be that as it may, he stole money from the Redskins. The same Albert Ainsworth who, if I'm not mistaken, was suspended and caused an uproar because he kicked the offensive lineman with his cleats and his helmet off. I believe that was the case. That same Albert Ainsworth. That guy. Yes, him. Albert Ainsworth has to chime in? Shut the fuck up. Nobody wants to hear from you. I don't want to hear from Albert Hainsworth. Go away. Go eat another fucking bonbon. Your opinion doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Albert Hainsworth. Albert Hainsworth? I, I got to listen to Albert Hainsworth now? Basically be the, 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 the caretaker of the, of the virginhood of all things Tennessee football? Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. And then... They failed to hire a fucking head coach, although they're close to supposedly hiring Jeremy Pruitt, the defensive coordinator for Alabama. Whoop-de-doo. They're their eighth choice on the list. They wanted John Gruden. They wanted this guy. They wanted that guy. They wanted uh they wanted uh they wanted old boy from Oklahoma State, he shot them down. They wanted cat from they wanted the cat from NC State, he shot them down. Like when you choose NC State over over Tennessee, that should tell you something. 
When you say, eh, I'm coaching at NC State, but Tennessee wants to hire me, yeah, I think I'm going to go with NC State. When you do that, that should tell you. That should tell you. And I love that they were facing backlash and criticized left and right by the media, by the public. Everybody was criticizing Tennessee. And you saw coaches turn them down. Left and right, turn them down. And of course, they're gonna put they're gonna put a fucking they're gonna put the coat of the, a coat of fresh paint on Jeremy Proven and say, oh, this was the guy he won us over. This was our choice the whole time. Bah, 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 bah. Don't let that bullshit fool you. He was like the ninth choice, and I don't blame Jeremy Pruitt. He had to take the job. He's a he's a young cat looking for his first opportunity. The University of Tennessee calls and wants to offer you a head coaching job. You're gonna take it. I don't blame him. But to sit there and railroad Greg Schiano like is classless. It's disgusting. It shows that that, organ- that that fucking program has zero fucking idea. Then they fired the AD. It looks like Phil Fomer was sabotaging the whole entire coaching search. Phil Fomer now. Because, yeah, yeah, last time he was involved in Tennessee, everything just seemed to go so great. Unbelievable. They couldn't even get their old their old quarterback, their star quarterback, the guy who won them their last national championship, T. Martin. T. Martin didn't even, I don't know if they interviewed him, but I would think, why not? He's the offensive coordinator for fucking SC. If you ask me, I would have hired T. Martin over Jeremy Pruitt. That's me. They didn't even hire him. Amazing. 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 And I'm so glad they got fucking ripped to shreds. I'm so glad that everybody universally was ripping fucking Tennessee because that's classless. And I'm not sitting here to fucking to wave pom-pom for Greg Schiano. I don't know Greg Schiano. He ain't no family member. He ain't no kinfolk to me. But I know a good coach when I see it. And Greg Schiano is a fucking hell of a coach. He's a hell of a good coach. And I would love to see Greg Schiano in a big program with the resources, with the facilities, with the way he can. I would love to see him get that opportunity. And thanks to these idiots in Knoxville, he may not ever get that opportunity. Because once you fucking ruin a guy's reputation and once you ruin his name, that shit sticks. Even though it's not true, perception is reality sometimes, unfortunately. So he may not ever get another coaching job, a head coaching job. And that's sad because I think he's a very good coach, NFL record notwithstanding. So my foul of the week is Tennessee. Everybody, everybody that associates with that fucking university and that stupid ass rock, you know, Rocky Top or whatever the fuck they call themselves, them idiots, them assholes, all them niggas get fouls of the week. Every single one of them. Fuck Tennessee. I hope Jeremy Pruitt plays them and says, nah, you know what? I think I'm going to stay at the defensive coordinator of Alabama. I hope he does. So now they have to end, now they have to go to their 10th fucking choice. I was hoping that no big name coach would, would accept their hire. Then they're then they're forced to then they're forced to go hire somebody like some retread like Tommy Tumberville. <laughs> Tommy Tumberville. That's the guy they're gonna go hire. Tommy Tumberville. Have at it. Go hire Mike Riley. Because he did a bang up job in Nebraska. Go hire him. Fucking assholes. Yeah, fuck Tennessee. Yeah, and I hate to be this but that's fucked up, man. You don't do that to somebody. Again, you can disagree with the hire. You can say the hire is bullshit, this, that, and the other. That, that, that's fine. But to sit there and rip a guy's credibility, his, his character, his reputation, that's not cool. That's not cool. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. And I'll always call it bullshit. Anyway, that's my foul of the week. I'm going to get up out of here, man. It's late. It is now Thursday morning after I've blabbered on for almost two hours. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm going to get up out of here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. As always, I'm not going to bore you guys with the same spiel. Just know that you guys are very much appreciated for always listening, for always supporting, and always subscribing to the show. Um, I say this every week. We would not be here. We would not be able to do this show without you guys. So thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Um, Keep listening. Keep subscribing. Keep letting your friends and your family and your girlfriends and your girlfriends' girlfriends know about the show. Keep the movement growing, man. 
Uh, follow us on Facebook, The Technical File Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, DTF Podcast One. Follow me on Twitter, The Manual Brown. Follow me on Snapchat, Manny Bro Fifteen. Just, just keep supporting the show, man. Keep supporting the show. We love y'all. If you love the show, if you like what you're listening to, drop us a couple reviews on iTunes. It, it takes five minutes to just write down a paragraph to say, hey, man, we like the show. We love the content. What you like about the show. It, it helps us move up in the rankings. It helps us get noticed more. It helps us get new listeners because we move up in the rankings. So keep listening. Keep subscribing. Dropping those reviews. Appreciate y'all, man. I'm going to get up out of here. I'm going to get some sleep. Got a long day tomorrow. Got a long weekend ahead of me. Got some family coming into town. My my lovely sister's coming to visit me and the kids. So, yeah, got some uh, family stuff to do this weekend. So I'll be, but I'll still be chiming in on the sports on Twitter and whatnot. So follow me then. As always, man, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. I am out of here. Peace. Serious sound.